0: linux out loud is firing up our mics connecting those headphones as we search a community for themes to expound upon we keep the banter friendly the conversation somewhat on topic and have fun doing it this week we are spotting off about christmas time geek gift ideas so let's get into episode 43 Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. And with me today, I have the camera corner powerhouse, Wendy, and the man with the answers, or at least the answers I need, Bill. How is everybody? Doing pretty well. How about yourself?
1: Doing fantastic.
0: Well, that's good to hear. I got a nice reprieve from all the crazy cold weather, so that's been nice. Ooh. I don't know how the weather is over in the high desert or on the eastern coast of bill land but i hope it's been nice
1: (laughs) right now it's cold
0: it's like sweatshirt weather right now which is surprising wendy you have some robotics team updates
1: last time we were talking we were getting ready for regionals so that friday before we spent not four hours together but five and we were coding up until the last minute saturday went pretty good our robot game didn't go as well as we would have liked to but I attribute that to the fact that we were literally coding up to last minute. They hadn't run all the code consistently as a team in a competition setting very many times because of that. They also changed the rules on us for the presentation stuff. So our kids had two 10-minute speeches. One was for their innovation project and the other one was for their robot design. Well, sometime they changed it after the season started. So it was supposed to be two five Minute speeches and the people who were doing the judging didn't even give them time for both speeches. They did one, which of course they went over on time because they had a 10 minute speech worked out together and then started asking them questions about robot design and other things, which that question answer format, our team ended up being a lot more comfortable with. And the judges were aware that the kids had put in the work, right? It wasn't all the judges doing the work and then us presenting this presentation for the kids to do. The kids had really done the work and that comes through that question and answer thing. So last year, We took first in Innovation Project, and that wasn't the case this year. We definitely weren't going to be taking first in Robot Game because there's some tweaking we need to do. But the kids did take first in Robot Design, and one of the things that they said, hey, this is awesome, was they had a part that didn't work quite right. You might have remembered hearing me talk about this. But their original forklift was using a medium sized motor and it just wasn't strong enough to lift that really heavy attachment they had. So it would go up and down. Then it had another motor on front of it with another attachment that would go up and down with that same motor piece that would open and close. So it was a collection place that they could then lift and dump into other collection units. And it just wasn't strong enough to cover all of that. Well, they saved that piece that didn't work because they do want to use it for state. And they brought it to competition. And during their speech, they're like, yep, we ran into this problem where we needed the bigger motor in order to make this work. Here's the piece that we had that put together that isn't currently working, but we're going to use it for state. And the judges were just like, that's so awesome. Thanks for sharing with us the struggles you had because... While you go into these competitions and you definitely want to be your best, they themselves and this whole program itself wants kids to recognize the struggles they've had and how they've overcome those struggles. Because every time we're designing stuff, whether that's a robot for you in CAD, Nate, sometimes when you're dealing with network stuff, Bill, it doesn't always go the way we have originally planned. And sometimes we have to work around things, use different tools in order to get that to work. And they want to see the kids going through that learning process. So that's one of the reasons why they took FIRST in robot design for regionals. We are now gearing up for state towards the end of January.
0: I think that's excellent that they focus in on the fact they overcame struggles because I think that's part of the learning process of getting better at doing whatever it is, robotics or whatnot. That's really awesome. That was recognized. The bigger motor, will it do everything that you need it to do to make it work right for uh, lifting?
1: Yeah, as far as I know, that larger motor should do just fine in order to make everything work. We do have a larger motor ordered. Tomorrow we will meet for another four-hour session. We're going to do four hours every Friday, except for holiday weeks. We're going to move that to a different day, but we're going to keep that going through state. And we talked about doing two two two-hour sessions, but A, that's me driving into town another day a week when I don't necessarily have to. And on top of that, we can get more done. It's still the same amount of time, but we only have one setup and one takedown time and I don't have to get kids back on track. So that four hour session really seems to work better for getting things done for the robot. First thing when we meet tomorrow, that's what they're doing. They're taking that larger motor, they're putting it onto their attachment. So we're doing some robot modifications, making sure all of that works. Then we're going to be adjusting the code that we wrote for regionals because now we need to take into account these missions that we couldn't do that now we can.
2: Does the new motor run on diesel?
1: No. It all still Lego. be a
0: lot cooler if it did. <laughs> Lego and not Tinker Toys.
1: Right, exactly. Last week, Bill, you teased us with an internet service upgrade. I'm taking it that's now installed. How's that working? And I'm not sure if I want to hear just how fast your internet is.
2: I did go a little overboard with my internet service upgrade. But the reason why I moved to the package that I did with a different ISP... Mainly, they were offering fiber in the area, but I didn't want just the fiber. I wanted to have at least one static IP under a business account, if possible, and I ended up getting five. And those of you out there that are listening know I'm big into networking. And what five static IP addresses mean for me is that I have additional external IP addresses at my disposal to play around with different network architectures and firewalls, whether it be SonicWall, Cisco, Fortinet, Juniper, Palo Alto, you name it, I'll be able to replicate or emulate a real-world business environment with one of those devices without damaging or destroying my home network. Now, one of the cool things I was able to do, as I had hoped, send all of my IoT traffic for my smart home devices out a different external IP than what I use for my normal web browsing. And as we've talked about, that's a unique way of providing a little bit more protection for your home network against your IoT device network or all the things that are talking and dialing home back to their respective cloud portals, whether it's your lights or your thermostats or anything else. So I've had a lot of fun with that. It is rather fast. I blink and everything is done downloading instantly just about. Awesome. The ironic part of it all is that it was still cheaper than what I was paying for cable. Wow. And who is the service through, if if you can say? The service is through the local telco in the state where I live. Nice.
0: That's like super awesome. I don't think there's even fiber anywhere around me, not within municipalities. Now, I have a question. You said you have multiple IP addresses. Do you have multiple lines that come in? or how, How would you be able to segregate the different IP addresses like
2: from one modem or whatever? That puzzles me. Good question. I have a single fiber connection coming into a box, Mm -hmm. and out of that box is Ethernet that goes into a router that is provided by the ISP. The router is configured to pass my IP addresses through to my firewall. And on my firewall, I have a primary WAN IP address, and that's where I browse from, and that's where I send everything out. In that firewall, I can also specify extra IP addresses and their respective subnet mask. And then in the networks that I have defined, I can select IoT net. And one of the things that it asks in the IoT net is, what IP address do you want to use for this network, what external IP address. It should be more specific. And from the drop down, I select the external IP address that I want to use and I hit save. And the way to test that out is to take a laptop or a phone and connect to that network and open up your browser and type in a website like ipchicken.com. And it will tell you if you have a different external IP address than the one that you're using for your normal web traffic. And that's exactly what I did. I tested it and it seems to be working without any issue.
0: It's actually a physical different Ethernet port that comes out of that box?
2: On my modem, yes. But that doesn't necessarily dictate whether or not you get that IP address different or specific to each port. I only have one Ethernet cable coming off of the ISP's device into my firewall. Yeah. And that network segment is attached to the ISP's modem specifically. So that that IP address segment that you get, think about it as you're assigning a static IP address to a device in your home. Mm-hmm. All of that IP range is still on that same cable. You can pick whatever IP address you want to assign statically, regardless of the cable that's plugged into the device. Same thing happens with the external IP. It just doesn't begin with 192.168. It's a different IP range and it's just smaller. Okay. Now, if I want to have multiple firewalls plugged in at the same time, I can do so. I just have to be very careful that I don't have the same IP address assigned Between two different firewalls, I'll end up with an IP conflict and I'll take my internet down.
0: I got you. It makes sense. Wow, that's really cool. Very awesome that you have that. It does sound like black magic to me, honestly. I don't understand how that works. So
2: good on you that you've got all this figured out. One of the reasons that I did this is I really enjoy teaching and training people. And I've always allowed my home lab to be accessible to the people who work for me because I'm a firm believer in them advancing their own knowledge. So now I can actually give them their own completely external IP without having to share my public IP address with them, Mm -hmm. and I can teach them some of the inner workings of the different network appliances and hardware that we interact with on a regular basis. You're like
0: your own digital ocean.
2: A little bit, to some extent. And that's the beauty of it. You know, they build something and it doesn't work out. They fall down on their face. They need to figure out how to rebuild it. And just like Wendy, you had talked about with your kids learning and overcoming obstacles with the robotics. It's the same thing when my technicians are learning networking. They're going to misconfigure something or maybe I might inadvertently go into their network and misconfigure (laughs) something and then see if they know how to deal with that element of surprise or that situation where, hmm, I was able to get to this yesterday and now I can't. What might have happened in between? So that's, okay, well, let's start pinging things. Let's start our troubleshooting process to see what's working and what's not. So I'm hoping to really... Take this amazing internet connection that I have and use some of it to help train people who are working for me or that might be listening to our show as an idea of the different things you can do to advance your own knowledge.
1: I love that as this education environment that, yes, you can use it to help secure other things on your network but it gives you and the people that work for you a place to play, a place to figure things out. Because having those things go down on you when you're a learning environment and figuring out how to fix them is so much better than being in this high stretch situation where the client's like, I need this fix now. And you're trying to figure out how to work through those problems. So overall, I think a better life, a better less stress, especially in this work environment where it can be pretty high stress anyway, but to help reduce that stress level by giving an out, giving an education environment where some of these things can go wrong and you can take your time, work it out, think it through. So when then you see these things in the real world, it's nowhere near as stressful.
2: So Nate, in the spirit of the holidays, I understand that you have decided to incorporate some holiday lighting into cubicle labs. And I'm rather curious how you would do it because I'm sure like everything in your house, it is extremely over-engineered and complicated, which is rather appealing to me. So I'd like to know more about that.
0: Well, I might get the impression that it's really well-engineered and and thought out, but think more Millennium Falcon and how things are pieced together because I, I like to take whatever I have and make it work. And this being uh, no different, I have a holiday light display. I call it my Linux festive lights because I keep up the portions that are actually mounted to the house active all year long. And I just change the colors depending on the season. So like right now it's Christmas time. So the colors are you know red and green. And then I have you know blue and yellow. So it's all kind of like happy colors. And like you get like, in a colored string of lights. And that's all around the roof line and around the two front windows. What I've added this year, these are pixel lights. I added 890 light pixel tree and all individually controllable addressable lights in front of my house. It's something I've wanted to do last year, but you know, when I moved and, and everything else, there's just no time to, you know, set up the house. So this year, because I have most of the stuff set up on the house, I've already you know got everything mounted on the wall in the basement for all the controls, which it's powered by a BeagleBone Black and it has this cape on it. It's FP-8, it's a Culp light cape and then that has 8 strings of lights that i can attach to it. I'm currently only using 5 of those strings, and each string can have depending on what your frame rate is. So if you're going to do 20 frames per second light show, you have like 1400 individual addressable lights in each string without having any like, you know, frame drops or whatever, you know, lagging. If you're doing 40 frames per second, they say 800. I don't have that many lights. So I don't have to worry about that. On one string, I have one part of the house and the string of another part of the house. And then another, they look like candy canes, but they're called chroma canes and then these chroma snowflake things that are on, on the house. It's about 400-ish, more than that lights there. Oh, uh, actually, closer to 600 lights on that string. And then the Pixel 3 with the stars, 890 lights, and that's on its own string as well. I'm running everything at like 30 frames per second is what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm well within my limitations of the hardware. But yeah, then I have a breakout for controlling like you when know, you go to the store and you buy like a string of lights, like nets and whatnot, you know, on my fake bushes because I don't have any bushes on the side of my house. And then you know, tree wraps and things like that are on my railing. So those are just regular AC lights that each basically take one address. I have nine different things for that. So then like, you know, the inflatables, those are also controllable as well. And they just take up, again, one particular address. So an RGB light takes up. Three addresses so essentially the vast majority of the light that is shining is actually regular ac lights but they only take up nine addresses and then i create light shows to music so if you have any suggestions for any um i'm, I'm getting ready to do the programming here probably cut this weekend for the actual sequences I, I have old ones running right now but i want to add a couple i'm um, i really like the song candy cane lane by sia i think is her name and then i want to do something that people really dislike you know that's obnoxious upbeat So that's another one I'll do. And then those are programmed in a sequencer called X Lights, And that sequence is uploaded into the BeagleBone. And then the BeagleBone then drives the sequences to music and plays the music. I have an FM transmitter so people can tune in on the radios in their car. That's how that works. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. A lot more light this year. A lot more fun. I've not done a large matrix like this of lights. I'm excited to hopefully make something exciting out of it.
2: This sounds a lot to me like... uh... Clark Griswold goes retro in the year 2022. I would
0: say it's more like Clark Griswold gets a Raspberry Pi and gets even more excited, like that.
1: Think <laughs> if Clark had the technological sense to program his lights instead of just blinding everybody with them.
0: Right, and I can say that I think I'm pulling like three,
2: maybe 400 watts
0: in all of it because of the LEDs. So it's it's actually hardly anything.
2: And are you running Arch on this particular device that's controlling all of these lights? <laughs> No, no, I am not In fact, it's actually It's a derivative of Debian That's my one Debian machine That
0: controls the lights in my house I'd prefer OpenSUSE, of course But I don't want to fight The Falcon Pi player of FPP now, I think it was called It was originally designed for the Pi But the BeagleBone has more IO, I guess I don't want to have to like Rebuild it for something else And then I have to worry about Whether or not things work so I, I just use the project
2: your, your green hue is fading slightly and blending in with other colors is it is a as little we bit. get to know you better
0: hey i can appreciate in like all the linux i the plural for linux linuxy linux i
2: linuxes i don't know all the linuxes i think it's singular and <laughs> plural i think it's all the linux well
0: that's not fun like matrix and matrices it should be something like that right linux and linuxes
2: that's so. like saying i have two meese <laughs> plugged into my computer that just doesn't just doesn't
0: work is your mouse wired or wireless i have a wired mouse well then it's a mouse because it's wireless and it's actually a hamster <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i have a hamster and then sometimes it's charging and then it's a mouse something
2: like that yeah hamsters don't have a tail is that like a ham mouse at that point my <laughs> mouse is wired because it drank a lot of coffee.
1: Oh, I love it when I do that.
0: Mm, yeah. I don't think mice are supposed to drink
2: coffee or keyboards.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah, they're not.
2: Mine actually did drink coffee because I spilled coffee on my desk last week. So I guess there's some truth to that.
1: Gosh dang it. I have never spilled coffee on my mouse, but my keyboard has had water, wine, um, mimosas, beer. Yeah, my keyboard drank a lot. No wonder some of my rainbow vomit doesn't work right.
0: Outside of the water, <laughs> it sounds like there's a theme to when things spill, Wendy.
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the one was Mother's Day and I was enjoying maybe the mimosas all by myself while listening to music. And yes, my keyboard ended up wearing some mimosa. I cleaned it up mostly.
0: Did you, I guess that maybe the keyboard <laughs> vomited rainbow afterward just too much
1: right so there's two of my keys the space bar and the seven who are no longer rgb um so they're supposed to be showing white right now but they just look yellow Mm. and that's probably from all the drinking my keyboard has done (laughs) yeah
0: i think a lot of things can turn yellow if they drink too much so on that (laughs) i will be uploading the christmas light shows to youtube on the cubicle nate youtube page so if you want to check those out if you care to see the nonsense that I do on my house every year. I will have it published.
2: Next year, I'm gonna do more. I just wanna see the sparks fly off the side of Nate's house. It'll be on the uh, on the right side of the house when you're looking at it. I think you need a, a Santa sled with some reindeer on the front of it and just flames shooting off the back of the sled, like real flames. Like you need a couple of flamethrowers. And so when your light grid goes off or you know people get too close to your house, you push the button and Santa goes into turbo mode and evaporates anything that comes near your driveway. And if you do it right, it'll melt the snow for you.
1: Nate, I suggest you not let your home insurance know that you're talking to Bill.
2: Yeah,
0: I'll keep that under the hat for sure. (laughs) So if the power does go out, all those lights are backed up, and they will still play regardless of whether or not the grid power is on. I do have a 12-kilowatt backup battery that'll uh, keep the house running for quite a while.
1: That's funny that your Christmas lights are still going to work even if grid power is down I do look forward to your light displays every new year. I know... Last year wasn't as much as you would have liked because it was the first year in the house. And it's going to be interesting to see all the different things you can add to it as you're there for year after year.
0: Yeah, I think next year I'm going to add more buildings to it since I have multiple buildings on my property. I want to make it a Christmas winter wonderland is my goal.
2: Well, that and if there's a power outage in your area, NASA will be able to see your house from space. Exactly. Yeah, we want to make sure that they can see where I am. It's important.
1: This episode of Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex. But standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most building world-changing apps that grow your business. Predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Get support at every stage of growth, from teams of one to teams of 1,000 with simple, powerful cloud computing. Get growing with DigitalOcean. Listeners of Linux Out Loud and members of the Tux Digital community can get started for free. In fact, better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. Make sure you get started with your $100 free credit at DigitalOcean and their awesome cloud platform by going to tux 2022 And thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud.
0: Since it is that time of year of gift giving, as a nerd or geek, I like to think about those different tech gifts that would excite me if I had them. And I'm sure you, Wendy and Bill have thought about this as well. So Wendy, if Techie Santa was hopping down your chimney, if you even have a chimney or breaking through the window, whichever, what is one of those (laughs) items that you would really like for Santa to put by the Christmas tree?
1: I actually have quite a few things on my tech wish list this year. And one of them is a new mic. So this mic has worked pretty well. It sounds all right. But I would like to get one that has better sound quality. And one of the things that I'd like to do is help block some of the sounds that are coming from around. Right now, the fans on my Raspberry Pi really aren't that bad. But if you've seen my Mastodon, the little teeny, what is it, 40 millimeter fan that was on there, died as part of the reason it was so noisy not that it was a quiet fan in the first place and so i have jerry-rigged together this other little fan that was robbed from a wii and so right now it's actually running really really quiet with the wii fan nice but it's been an issue with my mic yes and that background was that fan noise and for the most part i'm able to clean it up with noise reduction But I think it would make my audio quality, podcast quality so much better. And so the Rode PodMic is like the top one on my wish list right now. I'm getting more into crafty things. And so this next thing is not only a tech thing, but it's a crafty item. And that's a new printer, but not just any printer. I want a sublimation printer. What is this? Yes, not everybody knows what that is. So it'll print typically on special sublimation paper, and then it's heat activated. So you can take that printed item and then put it on T-shirts, mugs, coffee stuff, you know, where you're using a heat press item in order to take that ink and transfer it from the paper that you've printed onto other things. You don't have to buy just... A regular sublimation printer, you can kind of skirt things by going with one of the Epson EcoTank ones, or I saw a Canon also has something like that where they've got these refillable reservoirs that you can put the sublimation ink into and not have to buy a dedicated sublimation printer. The trick with this is it can't ever been used with regular inkjet printer ink you have to buy it new and only have sublimation ink in it but it's a really inexpensive way to get started with some of that stuff my daughter is amazing with all of the art that she draws and it would be really cool to take some of those art things and transfer them to other surfaces and the like And the best way to do that is definitely going to be through sublimation now that I found out about this I'm kind of feeling like I need to have one.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. For sublimation printers, Epson is kind of the top seven on this uh, site that I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, they definitely are, especially when it's ones that are converted. So they're typically a standard inkjet, and then they've been turned into a sublimation printer. Especially if you can find one on a pretty good deal, you can get them around for $300. The nice thing is they're a lot like laser. So right now I've got a laser color printer and one of the things that I love about it is the print per page is really pretty cheap. And that's where these EcoTank printers come in is it gives you about that same cost-effective print per page. One of the most expensive things about printers is the ink and that's the ink cartridges and all of the technology, the chips, the boards, all the things that need to go into those and you're skirting that with these Ecotank designs. Then the other advantage of that is then they can be things like sublimation printers. So I love my laser. I want to keep it. I would like to add two inkjet printers because my daughter would like to make stickers. And it's really hard to find good sticker paper that works for laser just because the intense heat tends to melt most vinyl sticker papers. Not so good. And then one for sublimation. Craft and tech all at the same time. I
0: think that's one neat thing that tech has really done is given us a lot more craft options. Just the ability to make things so, so, you know, neat things too. Not just whittling wood. Yeah. Although you can do that with tech too. That's another discussion for another time. (laughs)
1: Like the CNC that you've been... Working on, on building yeah. an open source version. Yes. Yeah, that's all making stuff, crafting with technology. Right. Awesome stuff.
0: I think mean, technology enhances craft, I would say. It doesn't replace it. It's just It does. It's another piece. If you don't have an artistic ability, technology isn't going to really help you that much. Maybe a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can't draw. It doesn't matter whether it's on paper or a tablet. I still can't draw. <laughs> My daughter can in both cases, but technology doesn't help me.
2: Right. There's only so much you can do. I'm afraid to have your daughter... Please scribble with me because I feel like that I will lose very badly very quickly.
1: <laughs> no, the thing is, she would lose, especially if it's anything like Pictionary and you've got to guess the picture. Everybody who she's drawing the picture for would win because she can draw so well and she's at the disadvantage because everybody else is doing stick figures and funky wavy lines right. that don't actually represent what they're supposed to. Playing picture
0: those <laughs> that don't have any kind of drawing talent, is really very frustrating. It's like, I don't know what those wavy lines coming off the eyes mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes, I don't get it. I don't and get it. Doesn't it doesn't matter so. how
0: hard you hit the paper and how angry your face is. It doesn't change that I don't understand <laughs> what you're trying to say.
1: For playing teams, I want on my team and then she's always the one doing the drawing. Can we set up those rules?
0: Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Okay, I love it. Of course, I can always use more Raspberry Pis and Raspberry Pi parts. When it comes to parts, I want quite a few more build hats, but I'm hoping to get more Lego motors and sensors. And then this coming semester, letting the kids really play with those Raspberry Pis, the Pi hats, and these different sensors. And do some straight up fun coding just for them. It has nothing to do with competition Get more comfortable with Python and using these tools to make it happen. Of course, at the same time, I say that I'm wanting these Christmas gifts for the kids, but we all know I will be playing with them just as much as them, just like the original Spike Prime robot. I said it was for the kids, but really, mom played with it the most.
0: Yeah, there's no shame in that. At least I don't think there is.
1: Right? I mean, who doesn't love playing with Legos and then Lego robots? Like, of course I was going to play with it.
2: Exactly. In my town, I learned we have this toy store and it's an independently owned, unique toy store. And my wife and I went in to buy some puzzles because we both love doing puzzles. And when I walked Mm -hmm. in, I found so much Lego stuff. I couldn't get out of that store. I actually had to run out of that store before i emptied my wallet or what was left of it after the hardware purchase on lego things and lego vintage kits that you wouldn't necessarily find anymore like blacktron blacktron is my absolute
0: favorite lego theme space theme by the way they were not the bad guys they were framed just so you're aware (laughs)
1: I wish I could share the video portion of this because right now I'm not on video. My room was way too dark and my connection is way too bad. But I was watching Nate's face when Bill said that and he like lit up. Oh, my goodness. It was like kid in a candy store. (laughs) That was fantastic. The two of us
2: are just sitting here grinning ear to (laughs) ear, basically.
1: Yes. Yes, that was marvelous. I love it.
2: So, Bill, there
0: is total side tangent because we can't keep on topic anyway. But if you go to rubricable.com and you search for Cubicle Nate, you'll see some of my mocks, my own creations
2: of Blacktron stuff. Just saying if if you care. Well, I think I know what I'll be taking a look at after we're done recording.
1: Who said Legos are just for kids?
2: Nonsense. They're not. It'd be crazy to think that.
1: Last but not least, I absolutely love my 3D printer. It needs some upgrades. We've talked about some of the ones that I want to do getting a case built around it. So mainly I have most of the parts for that, but things that I don't have parts for is a better extruder for that, especially one with a direct feed would be awesome.
0: Absolutely.
1: Are you loving yours?
0: Um, How do the kids say it? OMG. Game changer. Yeah, it's great. It is just the, absolutely the best. I don't have any more weirdness. I don't have like the print consistency is vastly better. I don't have any like tubes. don't Obviously doesn't wear out because there's no tube to wear out in this case, in the setup. Yes. I wish I would have done that day one because then I would have spent so much money on placement tubes, Bowden tubes, and the pneumatic fittings, I guess is what they are. Absolutely changes everything when it comes to the quality of prints and the reliability of the printer.
1: Yeah, and that is probably like number one on my list to get done is having a different hot end and then putting a direct feed on top of it. So I think I've got one already saved in a cart somewhere on the wish list but i would love to get one of those for christmas i could get a bunch of tech goodies and spend the rest of the day taking things apart putting them back together doing some upgrades that would make me incredibly happy
0: that would be a christmas miracle
1: now bill most of my stuff is kind of all over the place but we know that these are things that i'm highly interested in what do you have on your Christmas wish list, is it also network related?
2: Sort of. Everybody asks me what I want for Christmas and I tell them- My two front teeth. Oh, I was waiting for that. And I didn't close the door fast <laughs> enough- You didn't. Before he came <laughs> in didn't. with that one. I totally deserved that and it was coming I didn't
0: to even me. jump in right away.
2: No, you gave me an out and I didn't take it. Because I've had a long day at work, and so that's entirely on me.
0: Listen, I couldn't help it because, you know, I just, be quiet, don't say it, be quiet. I can't stop the Kelvin inside me just hopped out of the bathtub
2: inappropriately. Considering the health issues that I've encountered this year, I would say that your joke is in poor (laughs) taste. And uh, <laughs> unfitting. Yes, poor taste. That's definitely true. Always. Most things I say aren't poor taste. If you don't have your front teeth, you can't necessarily taste things as well. So I'm going to drop that really? dad joke in there on you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think the only thing that would have made that better is if you had actually said it in a chipmunk voice. That would have made it you know, just so much better. And I know you had a long day, Bill, but doesn't that brighten your day with the two front teeth joke?
2: It does. I'm trying to find my helium tank here that I keep hanging around <laughs> for my chipmunk voice, <laughs> but I think uh, Matt absconded with it, which is why he's not on today's show and he's having Dang a him. lot of fun with it. So curse you, Matt, for taking my helium tank out of my house, which leads me into some of the things that I want on my holiday list. A couple years ago, before I learned what Home Assistant was and really learning how to customize your home and making it work for you, I invested in a couple of big box security cameras that you would find in your local big box store with blue exterior and a yellow tag. And I just plugged them and got them working. And for the most part, they have worked. But thanks to the Tux Digital community and some of my other open source friends, I have learned that there are many more options out there. And the beautiful thing about technology is if you don't like what's out there today, wait five minutes because something new will come along and replace it. So one thing on my list is I want to get some better quality cameras that will allow me to store locally and integrate into Home Assistant. Now, I'm the uh, total Padawan of Home Assistant. I don't know a lot about it, but I know, Nate, you are kind of a guru of Home Assistant, and I have some other friends. I
0: wouldn't say guru, but like seasoned novice might be a good term. I know how to do enough automations and define things in such a way
2: that I can make my life easier. It's good enough for me. That's on the list. I have an idea of what I want. I just have to get some of the cameras and the recording solution that I wanna use, play around with it, try it out, see what it's like. But the challenge that I've had in finding that is, believe it or not, a smart doorbell that does not send any data up to the cloud that can store locally, that's ONVIF compliant, and I'd really like it if it was PoE powered, but that's just going above and beyond. That's getting a little crazy. That's just getting absolutely crazy. And what I've learned is that there's not a lot of choice out there yet. So I'm going to wait five minutes and see what else comes along. Those are the two kind of networky things that I have on my list, considering that I'd actually like to downsize some of the network equipment that I have currently. I'm also a big weather fan. So hmm. having a weather station on the top of my garage, maybe that gives, me, that gives me real-time readings of rainfall, wind speed, direction, barometric pressure, or I can just look at my ankle and see how I'm feeling. And then I'll be able (laughs) to tell you if the weather's going to turn for the worse or not. But a weather station that would also integrate into home assistant would be a lot of fun. And then changing gears last on my list, I think would be an audio mixer, not just for doing recording, but I'm also the occasional brass musician. And I'd like to have the means of mixing in the different instruments that I play either into some sort of amplifier monitor solution or through Audacity or some other open source recording software that I can put together. Just performed at our local Tuba Christmas function, had a blast with it, looking forward to that next year. And now with the work schedule requiring a bit less travel and my health being better than what it had been this past year and before, I'm looking forward to diving back into maybe playing with a local community band again.
0: So what brass do you play? Because I can't just let that go. You said tuba. So do you play the tuba then?
2: So in a prior life, many, 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 many years ago, while I was still in high school, I actually used to teach music. Really? And I taught everything from trumpet to tuba in between. To, awesome. As part of, when I was in high school, we had a program where you could make a small, small, small amount of money, but you would go to the elementary schools and basically help with uh, instrumental lessons. And through my years in high school and a little bit beyond, I played French horn mainly, tuba, but occasionally everything in between, some saxophone, you name it, I would try to learn it. I don't do as much of that anymore, but occasionally when I have time, I have a beautiful French horn actually right next to me that I will noodle on and one of the fun things you can do is take that output that you're making analog sound that truly cannot be digitally recreated and you can record that you can manipulate it you can modify it you can put effects on it And you can make that its own track in whatever digital music you're creating. Mm. So, you know, Wendy, you like to create things with your crafts. And Nate, you like to create things electronically with your home projects and your lighting. When I feel inspired, I try to dabble into electronic or even analog music from time to time. But fun fact, I am actually an Allstate French horn player from prior century (laughs) nice believe it or not
0: i used to play the trumpet and i used to be pretty darn good at it and i don't have one now but i keep looking at prices on ebay it's not bad but i'm thinking you know if i get another trumpet will i scare the kids out of the house permanently i don't know i really would like to play that again i had a lot of fun at the trumpet I mean, you can do bugle calls on the trumpet and you have to wake them up, wake up the kids in the morning. I mean, there's all kinds of fun things you can do with a trumpet.
2: A little reveille will get them out of bed real quick. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful thing. I'm a sucker for vintage instruments. I feel like there's a certain build quality and a certain aesthetic that went into the assembly and care of those instruments. I got to see this beautiful euphonium that had a satin silver finish with Mm. a gold plate bell inside. And that type of aesthetic, you don't see really too much anymore and engraving down the side of the bell. And what you have to remember is in the 1920s and 30s, a lot of that was just done by hand. Right? There wasn't large machinery and 3D printing and 3D scanning and CNC machines that would lathe that out. That was all a guy with a hammer and a piece of raw brass and a bench and maybe some molding tools making that happen. So I have a special appreciation for instruments of that era because of the way they were built and the way that they sound.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, they took the time. It was an art. Add those little details.
1: I think it'd be great to hear both of you play. So Nate needs to get... A new instrument and then we need to get together and you guys need to play something for us.
0: I've been spending quite a time lately on the tin whistle. I know that sounds like really elementary and rudimentary and kind of like why would a 40 plus year old man be playing a child's instrument? Well, because it's fun. I like playing it and there's a particular Star Trek tune that Jean-Luc Picard played on his Resican flute, which was a tin whistle, called Inner Light. A beautiful song and I will actually share a link with you on that song, Wendy. I put in the show notes just so people can check that out. But the tin whistle can sound super cool. And I'm not too bad if I do say so myself, but my kids would probably argue with that.
1: might have to play for us sometime. I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, sometimes kids are, especially when it's dad or mom playing it, a little over, the word I'm looking for. Critical? Yes. Yes. Critical.
0: I should say my daughter says, wow, dad, you're really good. And my boys say, dad, would you please stop? So, I mean, there's that.
1: Sounds about right. I think so. Yeah, sounds about right.
2: So, Nate, sometimes the best gifts come in small packages. And I know that you're a big fan of chips and parts and components that make up modern computing. So, tell me a little bit about what would be on your ideal Christmas list.
0: So, the number one thing that's on my Christmas list are something like a node MCU like an ESP32 or ESP8266 style little board. They're basically just what PLCs essentially. And there's a lot of really cool things you can do with such things. They're kind of like Arduino boards essentially, except smaller and really low power. ESP32 has like, it has Bluetooth and the 8266 does not. And it's cheaper, has less I.O. But but like my idea for things that I could do is, a few years back, when I first got into making Christmas lights, you know, displays, the programmable kind, I bought a bunch of 5-volt lights, which is a huge mistake because you can't string long strands of them around a house without having voltage drops. I think I have like 500-some-odd lights, just 5-volt lights. And I thought, well, what could I do with those? And I would love to like put them with some node mcus or you know these little esp chip things devices and maybe turn my kitchen they have like a little gap between the top of the cabinets and the ceiling and then there's that space above the counter and then the kickboard area below i could make light shows in my kitchen all year long that can match the outside of the house or whatever you know things like that or little controllers for maybe i i can't get the doorbell of my dreams but you know what golly i could probably make one I have one of those ESP32 devices as well. I don't have a need for a doorbell, but it's a good idea. It's on my list now. So that's what I'd like: something like a Node MCU. Just I can, you know, create a thing to do a thing that I can't buy. Essentially, whatever I'm kind of dreaming up as I'm doing some manual labor task. I have wanted to automate certain aspects of having poultry. So I have chickens and ducks and geese and things, and it'd be kind of nice if I didn't have to go outside to let them out and to shut them up. Not keep them quiet, but you know, shut the doors and everything else. So it'd be nice to use one of these little node MCUs, maybe some kind of a motor or whatever, to open, close, and lock the door. It really wouldn't take that much to do that, really. Things like that, that I think would be really cool to do. There's some other things too, but if I keep blabbering on, I'm probably gonna irritate Wendy later when she has to cut a bunch of it out. So some node MCUs I think would be really awesome. They're not very expensive. I think you can get like a six pack for 20 bucks or something like that. I don't know, I, I haven't checked the prices in a while, but so the next thing on my list is something I don't actually need, but I really want. <laughs> And that is an Orange Pi 800. I'm sure you've heard of the Raspberry Pi 400. Oh, yes. So, the Orange Pi 800 is like a Pi 400 on steroids. And it even has a VGA out on it. So, it's not just those little micro uh, HDMI ports, but it has like a real VGA and so forth. It's a nice looking device. It looks about the same. It has the GPIO in the back, still USB C power. It still has HDMI, but it has a full size HDMI. And I think there's some internal memory in it as well. I can't recall exactly. So that's uh, four gig of RAM, and then you know you can put whatever. Sixty-four
1: it looks. gigabytes eMMC is what it looks like. Because I looked this up just a minute ago in your wish list, and we can add this one to my wish list too. Holy crap, <laughs> this looks awesome!
2: What a cool machine!
0: It's a cool little machine. I saw it on Explaining Computers. I think is where I saw it. Has a built-in speaker as well. You know, obviously it's not going to be great sound coming out of it, but it's something, right? So yeah, I think that's a really, really fantastical device. I think the, the big thing is a normal size HDMI. I can give up one of the HDMI ports for your normal size HDMI, like on a Raspberry right. Pi 4 without a problem. This looks like another fun device just to do educational stuff on, really. Like this would be good for like I thought about doing like um with my co-op doing some Teach the kids in, in the community using Raspberry Pis to power things and run experiments and so forth. This yeah. would be a great tool for that.
1: Well, and it's so nice to just throw up somewhere because literally it's got the cables that we have sitting around everywhere, that full HDMI port. All you need is a monitor to connect it to. We were at a secondhand store a couple days ago, and they had a bunch of older flat monitors that would be perfect for something like this that you can pick up for $15.00. And you have a working system that anybody can get schoolwork done, robot stuff done, just surfing the web. This is an awesome all-in-one device where you can get somebody a computer like pretty much instantly. I love this. I could think of many places to put it.
0: If I may say, it's not a laptop, but it's like a slab top. Enough computers, yes. you, you know, and hook into a monitor. Kind of like the old Commodore 64 or Amiga or something like that. A slab top computer.
1: Right now, how we're using the coding laptops for a robotics team is there's a pretty large TV set up inside the room. And so that laptop has, thankfully, a full size HDMI out. And the kid who's coding can see what's going on on the laptop, but everybody else can see what's going on on the big screen. And this is something that you can even do that with. So, yeah. especially those old monitors that were there, most of them had VGA connections. Grab one of those, the kids can see whatever they're coding on, everybody can see what's up above, and you have an all in one system that's easy to set up.
0: Yeah, for sure. Super handy. I don't know how exactly the operating system is going to recognize the different ports, but imagine like any other Linux machine, it would. Right. I do know that there is some open source support for the. Orange pie. I don't know if this particular one is on that list, but I do know that they do support those, and that's important to me.
1: Very nice.
0: So the next thing on my list is another broken retro computer. I know that sounds ridiculous because I have an, I have plenty, but there are so many other old broken down retro computers that I would just love to get my grubby little fingers on. And at the top of my mind, I'm thinking. Uh, like an Amiga 500. I'd love to get a hold of one of those. I don't have one. My first Amiga was an Amiga 600 and I got a 1200 and a 4000T. So I've never had a 500. There's something just really iconic about that slab of a computer that I would just love to get a hold of, even if it's broken. I don't care. I can work on it, but I have other broken Amigas to work on. I don't need that, but it's something that I really want.
1: If someone found one and wanted to gift it to you, you would gladly take it.
0: In fact, there was one of our listeners who did gift me an Amiga 2000 HD that I have in pieces on my retro tech table behind me that I've been going through a little bit at a time. I photographed everything right now in preparation of starting on that, but I probably won't be able to get into it until January, you know, just after Christmas. Very cool. The next thing on my list, and it's because every time Wendy talks about it, I keep kicking myself that I haven't purchased a set yet myself.
1: I think I can guess what this is. Yes.
0: I would love to get some Lego robotics. Every time you talk about them, I'm kind of salivating, only that's really weird because you don't want to drool on Legos. I would <laughs> love to get a hold of some of that stuff and just do that with my kids. School as it is right now has been pretty challenging for me to keep on top of everything, but it would be fun if I could get good enough at everything else that I don't feel like I'd be like behind the eight ball and, and actually do some activities like this.
1: It could always be a summer project. doesn't need to be a regular school year project. It could be a summer project.
0: That's a good point. I could do it as a summer project, you know, when, when things start to wind down all the... Although, you know, Science Fair is coming up in February, so I need to think about that as well. I don't think about it right now. Anyway, Ooh. so Lego Robotics, I think would be just so much fun to do. There's so much you can learn. I mean, Lego is like just the perfect STEM tool yes. because you can build structures, You mean things about like product design you can do with Legos and, and CAD and so forth. And then you add in the robotics aspect of it. That's just absolutely fantastic
1: especially the legos that come with the robot sets they are a lot harder to find and these are the technic legos but they are so much nicer than the old school standard Lego. they stay to better they stay together so much better and with the pins and the the bars and all the different pieces that you can put together it really gives you a lot more flexibility And I wish I could buy just open sets or just, you know, bundled sets of Technic LEGOs and not have to come in a kit of anything because there's a lot of Technic parts that I would love to add to our robotics kits that they're hard to find. I mean, I have found them on other websites and did at one point have like $600 worth of LEGO parts. And yes, you can get $600 worth of LEGO parts. Like five cents at a time. I've seen me do it. But it'd be nice to just buy like a kit of a bunch of like common parts, handy parts from them. But I'd say if you're getting anything on this wish list this year for yourself and the kids, definitely the Lego robotics stuff.
0: Have you been to bricklink.com? That might be where you try nickel and dime yourself to death on parts. But sometimes you can get bundles of Technic pieces. I know I've actually purchased oh. some Technic pieces. Even eBay is not too bad on Technic pieces. You know, what? I do those silly mocks from, from time to time. Yeah. It's a kind of a combination of the traditional Lego brick style along with the Technic. Yeah, it's better structurally. And a lot of different ways of using Technic bricks as well to also... Turn a more traditional kind of set into something that actually holds itself together a lot better. So I've done a lot with Technic pieces because you can do a lot of things as far as like, it's not really laminating together, but by you can make longer beams uh, to hold weight Technic pieces and then you can build on top of it. But anyway, yeah, BrickLink. And then I've also purchased some Technic open sets, not really sets, but like parts and pieces on eBay. People sell Use Legos. You know, I'm going to use them anyway, so they don't have to be new.
1: Right, exactly. I will definitely check that out. Thanks for the tip. We might be getting more Legos around here for Christmas.
0: You bet. The last thing on my list, not a big deal, but it's something that I tend to run out of, mostly because I'm not very good at it, but solder. When you need to solder things together, the Christmas light displays that I have been doing have required quite a lot of solder because I'm, I'm adding ends and a lot of custom stuff. And also sometimes the bulbs, not really bulbs, but the LED controllers go out and so you have to replace the one of the, one of the bulbs. Solder is something I use quite a bit. And also shrink tubing. As a, a geek that likes to make things, solder and shrink tubing are huge. And actually now that I'm thinking about it, doesn't Pine make like a really awesome soldering iron that's not plugged into any, anything? Like it has its own Portable power supply?
1: I believe they do.
0: Yeah, that'd be something else that's on my list. Like the, I think it's called a pine sill because there are times when I don't want to carry my entire solder workstation, rework station. So something like that I think would be pretty handy as well.
2: Well, if you're going to get that, you know what you need to clean it with is pine saw.
3: <laughs>
1: of course. All right, Mr. Clean.
3: Hello, Magneto here. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we, well, that they use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password, as well as additional authentication such as master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your password safe. From me. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. $10 premium account includes one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, 2-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, and TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, and priority customer support. Make the smart move, like many from the community have, and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like my wife, Sinister Wendy, You'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition only starts at $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for supporting this episode of Lennox Out Loud. Magneto out.
0: Wendy, it sounds like you pulled the trigger and got yourself a Cricket or Cricket.
1: Yes, I did. I went ahead and ordered the Cricket. Uh, the downside is I did get InkCut installed. So it's that application that pairs with Inkscape. It wasn't the easiest one to get installed and I'm not entirely sure why other than maybe it's not as common. And one of the downsides is there isn't built-in drivers into that one for the Cricut machines. They have lots of other plotter machines that are available that have those in. And then I was back and forth because do I go ahead and get one of those other plotters, one of these other cutter machines, or do I stick with the Cricut? And one of the things that I like about them is it's not just paper they have options to cut so many other materials and I've seen even like tutorials on how to make leather patches with this thing like so many cool things with it so I went ahead pulled the trigger and ordered the Cricut I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to make that work on my linux system I've played with wine a little bit and some of the other GUI implementations of wine and just have not been successful And really getting that Cricut software to work well locally. So that's a work in progress. And as soon as I have a better understanding of how I'm going to make that work, I will definitely update you guys on that because that is one of my goals is to get the Cricut software working smoothly somehow on my Linux system. So that all of that work, all of this awesome desktop that I have right next to me can be put to work in whatever project we're working on. And really of all the ones that I've seen, Cricut is really the most flexibility in cutting. I just wish they were also very flexible in software. So we'll be playing with things and figuring out. It just arrived today. It actually showed up while we were recording. Oh nice. So as soon as I get off with you guys, I am opening boxes and digging in.
0: Well I hope we can figure that out because basically it's a plotter control system in there right it can't be that different than other plotters but i mean i don't really know just seems like it'd be something that they would make just easy to use so you wouldn't be locked in. But I mean, companies do crazy things sometimes.
1: That they do. And it's going to take some experimenting. It might need to do some more deep diving in forms and the like and just playing with it, trying to get it to work. I know I checked the Wine website and they did see that the latest version of the app was usable, but I haven't been able to properly get it installed. But Wine is really something I haven't played much with, even over my course of running Linux. So I'm sure that there's something that I'm doing wrong in getting it to work because WineHQ is saying that it is possible to get it to work on a Linux system. I just need to do some more digging in order to get that to happen.
0: Oh, good luck with that. That's a cool way to do some neat crafting with tech.
1: Yes. Awesome. Thank you very much. And I'm not the only one playing with tech. And Bill is feeding both of his passions with some retro LAN.
0: I mean, it sounds exciting. I like retro and I like LAN. What is this retro land?
1: It has got to be good together. It's
2: exactly what you think it is. Some of my friends and I have lamented how gaming has become very complicated. Games require very expensive hardware to run at their best level. So why not simplify our lives a little bit and go back to when games were simple? And I'm talking about Quake 1, Quake 2, Carmageddon, Starcraft 1, Diablo 1 and 2. Descent? Is Descent on that list? Descent is on that list. Terminal Velocity? Is that one on the list? Terminal Velocity might be in there, but I don't know if that could be a lanable game.
0: It was. I used to play that on a 486 DX66. It was a screaming machine back in the day.
2: There were a lot of fun and creative games. Uh, Shogo comes to mind, which uh, a friend of mine had a gold master. He won for that game. It was this weird mech, first-person shooter, hybrid type of game. And I I just find that there's a certain appreciation I have had over the years for what those storylines and tropes were like. And I thought to myself, well, my friends and I are all around the same age, what if we could recreate that? How would we do it? So we're exploring the idea of procuring some very old hardware, because of course, if you're going to run those games, you've got to run it on age-appropriate operating systems and hardware. I might go a little bit better with some of the cases and the the power supplies. I might use modern cases and power supplies. I don't know if I want to use power supplies that are that old.
0: You may not be able to anyway. They may not last.
2: Right. That would be my concern is if the caps are leaking or if there's other problems with them. So that might be kind of the limitation that I have. But otherwise, it would be vintage boards, vintage machines. So we're talking Pentium 350, Pentium 450, on the Pentium 2 and 3 side, maybe some AMD machines, Cyrix, if you're really being adventurous Ooh, in the, yes, in the CPU market with their screwy 75 megahertz PCI bus. But the idea is that we would procure some machines, stock them up with some old games, open source, non-open source you pick, and recreate that time of our lives. Play the music of the era, turn on the black lights, drink the surge soda that we all- <laughs> And jolt. And jolt and all of the other things that are absolute-
1: Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Code Red Mountain
2: Dew is that another one from the era? I don't remember exactly. Uh, yeah, that's from that same <laughs> oh. time, but I just remembered that- How about a tab? No, that's a little too retro, Nate. We're still in the <laughs> 90s, not the 70s. Oh. So you're- 80s, 80s. That
0: was 80s, wasn't it? Tab? Was it lining back to the future? Give me a tab. I can't give you a tab unless you order
2: something. That's right. It was the 80s. Back before we knew that tab would basically cause you to have cancer and die before you had a chance to even play some of those retro (laughs) games, let alone today's games. Oh, I didn't know this. So we're going to pass on that. Um, (laughs) But definitely the black lights, definitely the music in the background. And even for a weekend with, you know, some of the horrible things you hear about that happen in the world to be able to transport my friends and I back to a more carefree era in our lives, if you will. I thought recreating that and redesigning what a land party would look like would be a lot of fun. And everybody that I've talked to about it says, oh, that's a great idea. When are you going to have it? And then I think about what it's going to cost and time and money to build and assemble the machines and preload them with everything that I want. I'm just kind of kicking the tires and the cond- Concept a little bit to see if it's something that I may want to do. But the more I think about it, the more I think about how fun it would be and how great it would be for my friends and I to get together and celebrate such a cool event.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great
2: idea. I like it a lot.
0: So the first LAN game I ever played was Doom. And then the second one was Heretic. And then Descent was along with that. The first time playing those games in the early 90s or early mid 90s, I can't remember when. I was actually done with consoles after that. It was like, there's nothing consoles can offer me because consoles can never get on the internet. I mean, obviously times have changed, but yeah, it was just so much fun back in the day. I remember going to my eldest brother. He worked for his company. I'm not going to say the name of the company or the name of my brother for that matter, but we'd go there like after hours or on the weekends and play LAN games in the office. And it was just so much fun. Just we'd play, you know, (laughs) on the network there. Those are. Probably some of the high... I don't know how naughty it was. I mean, he didn't get (laughs) fired. Anyway, it was just so much fun playing that. Also, we had the LAN parties too. at A friend of his at an apartment. And so I remember that it was all these computers and giant CRTs and the the cables strung about. I think the first LAN party, I think, was just two computers I went to. And I actually used some sort of a serial link because Ethernet was too expensive at the time. I don't remember what we played even. But I remember those as being really... The first experience of a network game like that, I thought was just absolutely just tons of fun. That said, Bill, I think you're doing God's work.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that very much. I'm I'm glad (laughs) that at least the concept appeals to you. I figured if anybody would enjoy it, you would enjoy it. I would like to see how Matt would fare at a Retroland because I don't know if he would know what to do. I think he would fire up one of those machines and be completely lost with his love of AAA games.
1: He plays a little bit of everything, but I think he is so into the anime games at this point that he'd probably be disappointed by all of the games because there's just not enough anime characters. Right. And it's a side note that won't make the show. <laughs> Sorry, I took us down a rabbit hole in the wrong direction.
0: <laughs> so what I was going to say, Bill, before you know we went off into the don't air this tangent, I think Matt would have a hard time understanding what to do at the C colon prompt on those retro machines. He might get lost in the sauce and in the DOS world. I don't know if he remembers how to use DOS. But I do think Windows 98, like that era of PC, you know, that late 90s era, I think that's like the pinnacle of retro DOS gaming machines. And I could be wrong, but I feel like that was like the last... XP was fine, but I think that the Windows 98 machines just seemed to play all the games, the DOS games or the Windows games at that time, a lot better.
2: Windows 98 worked very well for that. And on the network side, we did not have Ethernet hubs either. We actually had a network protocol standard called 10Base2, which... Ooh, yes. The coax? Yes, coax, which required T-connectors and RG-58 cable and Terminators. One of the fun things you could do if you were mad at your friends was to take the Terminator off if you were at the end (laughs) of the chain and watch everybody go offline, which the whole point of a LAN party is not really to game. It's to throw things at the people in the same room as you when you were angry with them. So right. that was a fun thing to do once in a while was to say, oh, I I, I don't know how this happened, but the T-connector came came loose off <laughs> my machine. I, I, I'm really sorry about that. What do you mean it came loose off your machine? You would have had to go under your desk and unplug it. It doesn't just fall out of the machine unless you didn't put it in right the first time. I don't know. Maybe my glasses weren't working or they were fogged up. No, you're just a jerk, Bill. You're just a jerk. Well, also, I mean, you could say, you know,
0: I was so excited when I was just pounding on the table and stomping my feet that it just it just vibrated loose. I mean, these things happen.
2: It was usually a PC that wasn't built quite right that had poor thermal management. That was, was the culprit. Or it just got too hot in the room to wear certain... Processors would, would just overheat because the ambient temperature outside of the case wasn't enough to keep everything cool inside. I want to say, like, my AMD
0: K6 II that I had, which ran when it was '98, I want to say it didn't even have like a fan on the CPU. I think it just sort of like.
1: Fins? Yeah, yeah,
0: fins or something. Passive like that. Like, heat sink. Yeah, with like the case fan was enough. Wow. I want to say, I, I could be wrong.
2: I don't have that computer still. Well, Nate, if I'm going to have a retro LAN party, it only makes sense that I have the retro LAN party built on top of a retro table. Tell me a bit about this retro table thing you have going on.
0: Well, I decided that the setup that I had was terrible. It just wasn't any good. I think I talked about it previously. And I worked out a design using some um, a four by eight sheet of MDF and then some two by fours and some other scrap wood I had there for um to make basically like a raised table above the table. The idea was a regular table, which has one surface, It doesn't leave you room for good cable management and also like where do you put your floppy disks or your cartridges and so forth. So I wanted a space between where the monitor sits and the the main part of the table where the computer sits. Because like a lot of the older computers are basically just one box, like my Atari 400 or my Amiga 1200. Just one thing that has all the cables coming out of it. You got to put your disk and stuff, you know, somewhere. And I remember as a kid, what I do remember of it is the the table that i had i just like had had like a regular folding table or whatever that had all my computers across and i was always like i wish i had more space for whatever and so now finally i built a retro tech table it can also work on it too like i have right now currently have my amiga 1200 as just a motherboard right now because it needs new caps now i have a place for all my discs so I can get to my floppy disks, which surprisingly still work. I'm amazed by that. I don't know how that worked out, but hey, they work and I'm really happy about that. And also like down a little further, I have my Atari 2600 and I can have my cartridges, you know, in that space as well. And the monitors on top and I can have a series of monitors. So if I have a flat panel LCD, I've also got, you know, some CRTs as well. and I just have a nice consolidated space. And so after putting some things on there, I decided that I need another retro tech table. I need another table like it, basically, identical, to replace the kind of rather small workbench I have, because it would make for a great workstation for like, where I can have my oscilloscope, my soldering station, you know, my other accoutrements and whatnot that I just kind of shove in a drawer for now to be able to do the different projects that I do. I have this problem where I can't do one project and finish it. I have to do projects in parallel because... I have some sort of a problem. So having more space allow me the freedom to actually juggle multiple projects without having to pack it up, put it away, and then get it back out. So it's a perfect design for me because when I like to stand, I don't like to sit very much. And if I do need to sit, I can just you know sit on a stool, you know, to be like my brother from another mother, Michael, who likes stools himself for active sitting. I'm a big fan of the active sitting, preferably standing. But I have totes I can put underneath it. I have a a standard size tote that I use, flip-top tote. I use them for project bins. I also have it for like different kinds of cables I have in these totes. And so I can put those underneath the table because, you know, it's basically, it's an unused area. And so I can keep my area a lot more organized. It's not perfect but it's pretty close to, it's as close to perfection as I can get at this time. And also it freed up a bunch of space in my studio here so I could actually move my weight bench in here because it's more efficiently utilizing the space. And it makes this area out here, you know, way, way, way better for me. So building a retro tech table, which has an old inkjet printer, Everything else has made the space out here much nicer and almost presentable. So someday, if I ever have some, you know, nerdy e-friends come over, I don't have to be embarrassed by this room now.
1: What I'm hearing is that you just need all the workbenches.
0: Yes. I think one more just like it would be all I need for now. Unless I get another broken retro computer, which is on that list, you know.
1: Well, the key words were for now.
0: Yes, for now.
2: <laughs> what I heard was road trip to Nate's place.
1: Yes. Agreed. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a nice place. And I got I even have living space out here. You know, there's always a bunch of people, actually.
1: That could be fun.
0: And I got a whole wooded area. So if you want to go out back with an RV, I mean, there's tons of space. Even even got a cleanup. If you have a like an RV cleanup station, I even have one of those as well. Pretty nice place. The cubicle estate is not too bad. Clark.
2: <laughs> don't worry. He has a home assistant automation that will tell him that.
0: <laughs> not yet, but actually that's one of those other things I need to do. Like for the sump pumps, they are uh, battery-backed, but I don't know if, if they do fail. I don't really have an indicator for when if and when they fail. That's another home assistant project. That's a whole other topic for a whole other On the many, other on yeah. many, many on your list. Challenge accepted.
2: i going to back up my sump pump. <laughs>
1: Watch out when Bill comes to visit.
2: If I've been stuck driving a camper eating gas station food for a couple of days and I show up at your house, you can guarantee that those sump pumps are in for a bad day.
0: Oh no, those sump pumps are just for water mitigation around the house. I actually have like city, not really city, but I have municipal plumbing, so good luck locking that up.
2: (laughs) I couldn't take down the city of Flint, Michigan, so... Now it's
0: your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, oh, and The Sudo Show, which Bill has been on many times now and more at tuxdigital.com show off your love for your favorite podcast and shows by visiting the tux digital merch store grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer centric i pause my game to be here shirt or join hashtag team wendy with some sinister wendy swag as always we thank you for joining us we'll be back next week with another awesome episode of linux out loud until then keep the banter friendly conversation somewhat on topic and have fun doing it